Hello and welcome to BWB Extra, where we get to know sustainable shipping advocates Charlie Spencer and Sam Bulma a little better. We hear about Charlie's work experiences at Tesla, what led Sam and Charlie's careers into a more purpose-driven direction, why Spira started as a net zero solutions company for the shipping industry, and we randomly hear about Andy's disastrous, gluttonous kitchen habits whenever he tries to cook up a meal. So let's wind the clock back. How did you end up doing what you're doing? So for me, it was uh, the love of design and technology. You know, I wanted to uh, become a product designer, the next uh, Philippe Stark or something like that. Later, it'd be Johnny Ive, you know, the guy from the iPhone. And so I went uh, into uh, product design uh, at university. That gave me an opportunity to uh, have a placement year within industry, uh, which I chose a automotive tier one supplier. Uh, because they were, you know, one of the few companies in the UK that were actually making things. So I got the opportunity to play with injection molding tools and learn from uh, design for manufacture. But then that also sort of, you know, made me realize it's actually really fun to be part of a big project. Um, with product design, you tend to work in like a smaller team and you make one thing, and uh, yeah, uh, it's it's limited. Whereas in a car, it's you know like a three or four year program, and there's a lot of buzz being in the trenches with everybody. But I soon realized that you know uh, what what really drove me is is when I feel like. I'm having a positive impact uh, on the planet, and that's what Tesla offered me is, is is the realization that hey, if you feel like you're actually changing an industry and moving into a positive direction, that is probably the most fulfilling aspect of any job, and, and it's what took me eventually to Spera when Rob, who I worked with at uh, Tesla, sort of offered me the position and said, hey, do you fancy trying to do the same thing for uh, Maritime as uh, as Tesla did for automotive? I thought, yeah, that sounds great. I think um, despite all of Elon's critics, or forget, let's depersonalize it, you know, because. He's, 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 an, he's an amazing chap. But, you know, it's nice to see when corporations are a force for good because all the, 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 this prevailing view that often happens, well, our companies are bad, we need to nationalize yeah. or something. It's like nationalization ain't the solution to everything. It really ain't, you know. Companies do have the power to do incredible things. Yeah, and I, I think that is one of uh, Elon's biggest redeeming features, right? Uh, he gets a bad rep and he gets played as a bit of a villain, but at the end of the day, he is trying to make the world a better place and he's he's really putting his money where his mouth is. Yeah, he's that. trying to colonize Mars, for God's sake. I mean, give the man some credit, you know? It's like that thing I grew up with my dad saying, I believe we've got to live on other, you know, planets, you know? And, I mean, he, he got some, I can't I don't remember what age he was, but some ridiculously young age, he got that four hundred million dollar payday from PayPal. Up. PayPal, yeah, and he put all his money into SpaceX and Tesla. Very good, Sam. How about you? Yeah, so I started from a very uh, different place. Actually, Charlie and I went to sixth form college, but uh, I went into business, uh, studied business management at uh, University <laughs> of Bath, and um, I, I went into the commodity trading and the energy trading industry in, uh, in particular after university, and I was fascinated by how markets work and was working on, you know, even with like crude oil at that time. And then um, I thought, actually, I got this sense that actually, uh, you know, working for some of the largest energy companies in the world and working on with these commodities that actually um, I don't particularly think is probably doing a good to society and the environment is a great idea. And I, I became aware of um, liquefied natural gas, which is playing a very important uh, role now in global politics um, because um, it, you know, to a certain extent reduces uh, reliance on Russia. But I got into the trading of that. But then, um, you know, LNG serves a certain place in terms of a, as a, step, a stepping stone um, fuel, I think, uh, um, towards a, a greener future. And then um, I got talking with Charlie um, 
you know, we'd stayed in contact over the years and, you know, we had this mutual interest in finding it. If there's a new way that uh, the shipping industry can be uh, changed to uh, to achieve the same outcomes, because everybody wants their, you know, their products ordered online and delivered from China, but to get it done in a way that doesn't cost us, you know, such a such a big environmental cost. And so with my background in, in the commercial side of um, international logistics and uh, energy transactions in particular, and with um, the, the background that the team have in terms of engineering from Tesla, and we've also um, got uh, an F1 engineer, um, uh, aerodynamics engineer in the team. Two. Uh, two. That um, I think we're together as a team, I think we can produce a solution that is um, industry changing. And how do you know Rob? So I worked with Rob at uh, Tesla and uh, he led aerodynamics at Tesla. Um, he got invested in the whole sort of life cycle analysis and quickly realized that, you know, um, okay, fine, great, we're making this wonderful car, uh, but the way it's actually getting into the customer's hands and all the products that are being brought in to, to build it, uh, it, it, the impact of that is actually pretty bad. You would think, you know, the, the Tesla and the numerous other people out there, there must be other people thinking about and working on this at the moment. There there are, yeah, no, there are. Um, they're all approaching different aspects of the problem, uh, usually just looking at one smaller portion and trying to solve that. Whereas we think uh, that actually to come up with a good solution, you have to change everything at once. You know, you have to look at the whole problem holistically. Incremental change, you're almost talking about. You have a market that's trading and no one wants to, you know, upset the apple cart, and also change comes in small increments. So you try and sort of edge them over here. When you're right, a lot of the time you just want to take a sledgehammer. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? The incremental change isn't going to work in this instance because you can't just take a hydrogen fuel cell and put it where a diesel engine was and go, okay, good, problem solved. The energy density doesn't work. You're going to have to have too much hydrogen on board, plus there's a whole bunch of other issues to resolve. So we need to be more efficient. We need to use our energy more wisely. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and that this industry operates on very slim margins. Oh, they must be tiny, yeah, on these because because it doesn't cost much. Well, the people when they buy their products don't really care about the cost of the shipping. It's just a, it doesn't add any value to it. It's, a, it's an industry that doesn't really add value in the sense of it doesn't make your product any better. You just want it done as cost effectively as possible. Yes, you drive for the cheapest solution. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that, those are the drivers in the market. They should put the factory on the on the ship. That'll make a lot more sense. So just in China, they load on the raw materials, then you get off the other end, you got the products. That'll make a lot more sense. Then I'll be well invested, you know. And if they had the factories on the ship, we could have some wicked parties, man, because we'd be out at sea. Wouldn't that be great? We could fly in the stuff. Ah, it would be madness. What's the most misunderstood thing about your job? I would say within startup culture, I think people have this idea that when you launch a startup, it's like you, you come ready-baked with the solution, right? You have, I have this amazing idea, and now I'm going to make this startup and, and going to spend the next year just industrializing it, just working the kinks out and, uh, and getting it out there. Whereas actually a startup is more like trying to solve 10,000 different problems and hoping that the original idea isn't so distorted by the process at the end of it that you're left with something that's completely lacking in value. It's that difficult thing between having a plan and, and, and changing the plan, isn't it? It's like, um, it's what that guy said, uh, yeah, plan beats no plan. You know, anyway, it's it's, it's an impossible task. Uh, and, yeah, and do you feel... Yeah, uh, you know, when you're working in a startup, you don't have, like, my role is head of finance, but I don't just do finance. You know, I get involved in some of the engineering problems. We have to have strategy discussions. As You know, everyone has to do a bit of everything. So um, I think that's probably the biggest misconception. Do you find um, you have to pay the, like, 
We can't spend any money roll. Is you, is you, is yes, yes. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. And I wonder about this thing, how we've got this really strange relationship with money in this country. We, I think in all, most countries, people don't, you know, other than the Americans where they're very comfortable talking about money, the society was built on it. It's their religion, effectively. Most of ours, it's a sort of thing that came as an afterthought. You know, our countries are old enough that this almost predates money. But do you think the British have a um, a particular problem with how we talk about money, or should change? It should be less afraid to talk about money. I think we definitely do need to become more comfortable talking about money, uh, particularly from the sort of employee perspective. I think uh, I think a lot of employees get taken for a ride because they're not comfortable talking about money, not fighting for what their value or add to the company is, and. I really think that a lot of companies actually need to start looking more at sort of equity incentives and things like that because why would you expect somebody to really drive positive change for your company if they don't share in its success? A lot of these startups, it's hard to get emotionally involved with like, we're going to build a platform that's going to help some people kind of, you know, do their compliance on Tuesdays. You know, it's like, you know, you have something that people can get emotionally engaged with, you know. I think, you know, that's where good management comes in. I think you should be able to get people motivated about pretty much anything because, you know, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it well. It's, it's you know, it's that whole principle of like honor and respect. Uh, whatever you're doing, you know, do it with passion and, and, and otherwise don't do it. What's your passion outside of your business and saving the world? I love food, but just not not just eating it, uh, like the whole ecosystem around it. And actually, I think if we are successful in the maritime industry, that'll be one of my next focuses is uh, is revolutionizing food because we're actually in big trouble there as well. You know, there's all these reports out that say we've only got about 60 years of topsoil left before we starve it of all nutrients and can no longer grow crops. Um, Even with all this organic farming. I mean, bloody hell, I'm buying a lot of organic products. Good for you because that's what we need. Uh, There was actually a report by the World Health Organization some time ago saying that the only way we're going to save ourselves is through small-scale organic farming. And the other thing is vertical farming. Yeah, Elon's brother does that with the square roots. People do it in um, London and stuff as well and it's incredibly effective. They take an old council flat or a car park no one's using. And in a car park, they could like, it's just insanity. They can just be like, okay, well, we're going to grow the same as, you know, 50 hectares. Which is fantastic because then you're also actually, you know, growing it right where it's needed in the center of urban environments. So you eliminate all that sort of CO2 burden of bringing these crops. This is, this is one thing that nobody has actually been able to explain to me is like, why is it cheaper to fly a carrot from Argentina than to buy a UK carrot grown here? Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Nobody's given me a good answer to that. Yeah, it's got to be bollocks. The thing is, I'm a glutton, I'll eat anything. So on my own, I, I, you know, I'd rather go make some music. So I just eat a sandwich out of the fridge and the mayonnaise all over the fridge. I'm just a disaster, you know, just cheese. <laughs> what if I could find how? Oh, some leftovers there. <laughs> Pile that onto the bread. Mayonnaise, bread. Oh, damn. Well, that was quite revolting, but I feel... No, it's never revolting. It's like, oh, I enjoyed the mayonnaise and that kind of bready thing. <laughs> no, but when I cook for myself, I overthink it. Add to my... You know, I can cook well if I just... But if I'm on my own, I always go, let's experiment. It's a belief in your own random ability to produce some un- never-before-done dish. Yeah, it's like everything ends up brown. It's like everything ends up a jumbled mess of several flavours that really if you, doesn't work. But if you put mayonnaise all over it. <laughs> and now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. 
What's the worst advice you've ever been given? In terms of like worst business advice, I think it's there's no like one specific example, but it's when people are overly reliant on process, you know, like trust the process or do it in this way and that way and stop thinking about exactly what you're doing, just type in the numbers. Uh, that kind of approach is, is just toxic to any kind of creativity. And uh, the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think for me, it's uh, maintain your objectivity. Uh, there was like a real low point just before we were trying to get the Model S out the door at Tesla, where all we could see was the problems, you know, just thousands of problems within a car. You can imagine how many systems there are. And, and you spend long enough looking at them, you think, this is terrible, this is never going to work. How are we ever going to do this? So to take a step back, uh, and, and this guy uh, I was working with, a wonderful engineer uh, and just a good friend, um, sort of like said, get into the car and, and he took me in the car and he just stamped the accelerator through my head into the back of the, the seat and yeah it's just this huge smile on my face instantly I was like actually this is this is a pretty fun project just reminding you that you've built this thing that's like a rocket ship and I have one yeah and I was delighted to find a Tesla Model 3 performance I'm showing my dad son the fastest cars in the world yeah. you know Ferrari Enzo you know Ferrari Ferrari whatever number 15 you know Model 3 performance I was like oh daddy car what would you tell your younger selves? Uh, I think for me, it's, it's don't be so fixated on, you know, uh, where you are career-wise, you know, what level you should be at, uh, what your title is, all that sort of BS, basically. Just concentrate on what you want to achieve, you know, what are you doing, and and because that's what you're going to remember in 10 years' time. Like, what have you actually physically done? You're not going to remember that, oh, I was the second lieutenant SVPE of this and that. It's It's what did that company do? What did you do at that company? And, and I think that is much more fulfilling. God, it's very meaningful. Great if you can do it. Sam, for you. Yeah, I think for me, um, at every opportunity you have in your career to try and align it with, uh, I think there's this Japanese concept of ikigai. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but it's um, where the intersection of your interests, your competence, your values, and doing something that people will pay you for um, where they all intersect. And so finding what that is for you and then steering your career at the ev every opportunity you have towards that intersection is really a healthy thing. And uh, I wasn't cognizant of that at the beginning of my career. I was just trying to get good at whatever job I was in at the time. And actually, there's a, there's a real uh, ability to steer your career into uh, the, the sweet spot. Any recommendations? You've given some already. Anything to read, watch, listen to that you guys think are important? I've just finished reading or listening to as well Let My People Go Surfing by Yvon Chouinard, the guy from Patagonia. Uh, that was a really good book. Uh, really wow. inspirational. Don't let any of your employees get a copy of this. No, it's, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Like, I mean, if you have people that are motivated to solve the problem, then let them do it in a time that suits them, right? I mean... Oh, is that the point of the book? Well, okay, that's one good. of the many points. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just... You know, trust your people, get them motivated about the mission, uh, and then you know, try to do the right thing. And, and that's one of the big uh, principles of the book is like every time he's tried to do the right thing for the planet and the people, it's it's actually worked out in the business's best favor. And for you, any recommendations? I think for me, just something that I've been benefiting from recently is uh, a guided meditation app. Um, so, uh, like a lot of people, I've been um, you know dabbling with meditation for some years and. Um, to, to invest in an app that you actually pay for so that you're invested in it. Which app um, is it? Well, I use um, the uh, Waking Up app. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but to do that um, on a regular basis, actually daily, is, is profoundly different from dabbling in it. Um, so if you actually rigidly 
stick to it, it actually makes a huge impact, uh, I found. It's so weird to say to someone, just sit down and do nothing. But it is, it's such mm. a... Because that's it. Like, I remember someone explaining, you know, med- it's like, what is meditation? It's like the art of doing nothing. And like, you just, you know, the breathing, it's all just, that's just a way of getting you into it. But just sit and just just, just be. Allow yourself to just be. And it's a, it, it makes me feel breathless as an ADHD to be like, I remember someone saying, you know, you've got to live in the moment. And I was suddenly thinking, as an ADHD, trust me, we're living in the moment. It's like, what's going on this moment? What's up in the next moment? Oh my God, this is just not going fast enough and it's not exciting enough. And so that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. And we'll be back tomorrow with our finale for the week, the Business versus Bullshit Quiz. Stay tuned.